I think you're going to have to expect some vulnerability when feeling naked. It's like, oh, this old thing, I got it at Target. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, no, I'm just blurred. And not equating nudity with sex would be a really good start. I'm going to try and choose to swim naked as often as I can. Yeah, and doesn't it feel nice? Oh, <sighs> here I am. It's all washing <laughs> off in the ocean. Come on. My name's Courtney Ammenhauser. And you are listening to Mornings on FBI Radio, and it is 20 past 11, which means it's time for Let's Talk About Sex. And I am joined in the studio by Tanya Coons. How are you going, Tanya? Hey, good. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks for having me. Oh, good to see you again. And today we're hey. going to be talking all about nudity. Yes. Yeah. So let's just get stuck into it. When is it nudity? Uh, when is nudity sexual expression? And when is it body positivity? Oh, you're starting with right the big questions, I know, aren't you? I'm just not messing around <laughs> just here. Just dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with body positivity because yep. I think body positivity is kind of being unapologetic about your body mm-hmm. and not letting other people dictate how it should look or how it should be treated or clothed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's so much pressure these days to look a certain way. And if you look at everything that's put in the media, basically there's quite a lot about hegemonic beauty standards where we're all supposed to look a certain way. Mm. But I say, if you want to wear a bikini to the beach, then you wear one. If Absolutely. you want to wear a crop top, then you wear one. If you want to wear tight jeans, you go ahead and do that. Because um, it doesn't seem very fair that other people dictate to you because of your size or your shape that you may or may not wear certain things. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah, and what that does is it kind of then turns our bodies into a project, right, to be worked on. So we're kind of like always this self-help project. So we need to be dressed a certain way. We need to be clothed a certain way. We need to be going to the gym. We need to be losing weight. We need to be doing cosmetic surgery in some cases. Mm -hmm. And that they're multi-billion dollar industries, right? I find that very interesting as well. For sure. Yeah. So turning our bodies into a project, not so much. And again, it really depends on the age and the era that we're living in as to what is okay and what's normal. Mm. So what I find is that bodies don't change over history. People's bodies have been the same. Some are large, some are small, some are tall, some are short. Um, But what is in fashion about bodies changes. True. Yeah. (laughs) So um, So that's kind of the body positivity take on things. Resexual expression, I kind of find that interesting because what people tend to do for sexual expression, it's more about what they're putting on their bodies rather than what they're taking off. Okay. Yeah, because people sort of clothe or flag in a, a general way. So, you, you know, you might wear latex or fetish gear yep. to indicate a type of sexuality or you might uh, choose to wear clothing that's a little bit more revealing. But there, there tends to be something on rather than people being like totally naked going, look at my sexuality. Right. Because I think when we're naked, we're kind of stripped down of all of our layers. And Mm. it's like, well, how do you flex? Sometimes people might um, use uh, body art, you know, uh, tattoos or piercings or things like that. Mm. But generally when we're naked, we're naked. It's much harder to tell, isn't it, who we are and what we're about. True, because it's just like, okay, well, this is my body. There's no signal of other things that you've selected to put is part of that art or whatever. Yeah, so so if you've got two naked people sitting next to each other, how are you going to tell their orientation or who they're interested in or what they're into? Yeah. Yeah. So it tends to be like hints at nudity, so you can have that in art and photography. Yeah. Um, Or full nudity, I guess, in art and photography as well. 
but again, there's a there's a lens to it. Yeah. Okay. So, how would you classify nudus? Is that something that is body positivity? Is it sexual expression, or is it something else entirely? Well, I think nudus of folks that just like to be naked. Okay. <laughs> really, it's that simple. You <laughs> yep. know, they like being naked at home. They like you know playing sport naked on a boat in the beach in the forest. They just wherever they're allowed, you know, like wherever they can and where they're permitted to be, they would like to be naked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Sydney's got five nudist beaches. Wow, I didn't know that. I knew that there were a couple, but I didn't realize there were five. They've got five, wow. right? And um, I've sort of checked them all out because I wanted to see whether they were different and yeah. what they're like. So, and there are they, they they do have a difference in kind of personality there. Yeah. But what's really interesting about these beaches is there's less body judgment and stigmatization on a nudist beach mm-hmm. than there is on a beach where people wear swimwear. Right. It's lots of people say to me, oh, I could go to a nudist beach. I'm afraid of being judged. And I'm like, you know, you've got less chance of being judged there than you do on a, an everyday beach because people are kind of looking up and down going, what kind of swimmer do you think yeah. that is? Blah, blah. Yeah, where'd you get those swimmers from? Yeah, <laughs> and on the nudist beach, people actually understand bodies come in all shapes and sizes, all ages, all, all sorts of things. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's that's a nice place to go for no judgment. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and so at, on these nudist beaches, I've, there's this thing called a beat, but I don't actually know what that is. Uh, yeah, because that's right. Because a lot of people say, is there sexual behaviour at, at a nudist beach? And okay. in theory, it's supposed to be a beach where you go and you can be naked and all is good. Um, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can't separate being naked from being sexual, which is a bit irritating for those who would just like to be naked and not be harassed or not be gazed upon in a sexual way. Yeah. But um, a beat is usually a place where people go to seek each other out for sex. Um, it's okay. it's historically gay community and there, there are like millions of beats all through Sydney. So I, it makes sense that where there are nudist beaches, there are beats. So basically it's people cruising. So they might get off in the bushes or down the road or that sort of stuff. It's not legal, but it happens. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think you'll know that that's there, but often people try and keep that discreet. It's not like super flagrant. Yeah. But I think there are some folks who really have a problem, like they can't, they can't help but look or stare. Mm. Um, and that, that I call that entitled gazing, right? So you obviously going to connect and see people naked on a nudist beach. Yeah. But there's sort of like a sweeping glance and then there's like staring at somebody. Fixating on Yeah. Which makes, you know, that makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So I think that's where nudity gets equated with sexuality. Like Mm -hmm. people are like, well, there's nakedness, so there must be sexiness. And it's like, yeah, that's not how the nudists view it. But people who have difficulty in separating those two things out can make it a bit difficult. Yeah, okay. We asked the followers on the morning's FBI Ah. Facebook page to tell us some of their formative memories of nudity. So if you are listening and you have a memory that you wanted to share, send us a text on 0409 945 945 and jump in on the conversation. I'm going to play a song and when we come back, we're going to be talking about um, nudity in our early lives. Um, yeah, this one here is Ali Bada, January. Hey, the January looks like we're alone again. Another year is over, left the same way it came. 
Ali Bada there with January here on Mornings on FBI Radio 94.5 on your digital radio or streaming online at fbiradio.com. My name's Courtney Ammenhauser and in the studio with me is Tanya Coons. We are talking about sex. More specifically, actually, we are talking about <laughs> nudity today. And um, we did make a little post on our Facebook page asking people um, what they their last nudie run was <laughs> the last time they experienced maybe it was a naked dance party maybe it was uh, some kind of yeah is it nu- public nudity public nudity yeah Ooh. i guess so um and i know the last time that i was naked was i went camping down the coast by myself i think it was last year and I found myself alone on a beach kind of at sunset. Oh, lovely. I'd had a a gin and tonic and I was just (laughs) feeling myself. I was alone on a beach and then I just decided to get my gear up and go for a swim and it was the best. I just felt so free. So that's amazing. What did you feel free of or from? That's what I'm interested in. Yeah, I just felt free of any kind of shield uh, physically, mentally, emotionally that I'd kind of been hiding anything from really it was just wow. kind of like this total lifting of the veil of just like oh <sighs> here I am it's all washing <laughs> off in the ocean this is so wholesome and it was just yeah a pure joy I loved every moment of it oh fantastic I yeah. definitely think I'm a big fan of swimming naked and oh, I think the there's uh, definitely something to be said about that just yeah. the freedom of um not having any clothes on and then try getting into a swimming pool or a beach afterwards wearing swimwear. It's like getting into the water with a ball gown on. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty hectic. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Do you think that uh, normalised nudity in our early life helps us from better, form better relationships with our bodies later in life? Um, I do, actually. I think that parents can teach their kids to be comfortable with their bodies and to care for their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and not equating nudity with sex would be a really good start. You know, Absolutely. It might abolish some of that behaviour, the mm-hmm. unwanted behaviour we see on nudist beaches or other places where people are naked. Yeah. But, you know, I've had many clients that haven't got a good relationship with their body and almost all of them have received critical messages about their bodies, either teasing or bullying or concern from their family or or friends and that shit sticks you know people make sense of it and hang on to those narratives Mm. Um, and we don't really have any other point of reference other than our family as young children until we're 12 so if people are making jokes about bodies and and families tend to do that because they're kind of familiar yeah with each other um then we're we're making sense of that, that there's something wrong with us or something wrong with our bodies. Yeah. I, I talk all the time, you know, I think that um, people with penises are socialised very differently about their genitals than um, people with vulvas, mm. right? Because there's, you know, I've seen pictures of babies in utero with their hand around their penis, right? They start early. About, <laughs> that feels nice. And they learn when they jiggle it, it feels nice, get an orgasm, kind of good. Yeah. But for people with vulvas, they get shamed about their genitals, that they don't look good, they don't smell good, they don't taste good, they bleed, they're dirty, they get you pregnant, they get you in trouble. Mm. There's not really nice messages about, hey, this thing's kind of great and, you know, babies can come through out through there. And you've it's got this, powerful, actually. Yeah, <laughs> and you've got this whole organ that's sole purpose is pleasure, mm-hmm. the clitoris. Absolutely. So we don't get taught that. And so that's internalised as well. Yeah. And that comes out, you know, I meet a lot of people who've got sexual issues um, because they're really ashamed of their bodies, which is such a shame. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, lots of us probably ran around in the nude when we were little. Um, I know <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> when do you think it becomes not okay for kids to be naked anymore and, and why? Um, I actually think, again, it depends on the parents' level of comfort, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, whether they equate it to sex or sexual behaviour or not. I think lots of families, when the kids are young, they like to put them in the bath together or they might, as an adult, bath with them or shower with them. Mm-hmm. And then there comes a stage where they stop. Uh, and I don't know if there's any rule. It, I think it's be- way before the kids hit puberty. I'd say that would be the latest thing. But it's usually when kids start asking more explicit questions. Yeah. Like, oh, what is this and what is that and how does that work? And and I know that they're getting sort of age-appropriate messages at school. So I think when the questions about sex start coming, most parents are like, oh, okay, it's time to stop doing the naked thing. And, yeah. And all the kids get to bath or shower on their own or mum and dad not, not involved so much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do we start receiving messages about being ashamed of our naked bodies around this time? Like are we having humiliation of the naked body instilled within us from a young age, do you think? Um. Yeah, I do. I, I, but I think it's I think it's societal as well because we we kind of like oh no you can't be naked or you can't do this. I think it's really normal for young kids to touch their bodies yeah. and explore their bodies because you know that's the you know they're they're getting to know themselves and they haven't been told we don't do that here or that's not okay. Um, so I think it's really pivotal how parents talk to their kids when they're discovered touching their genitals or, or places that. We don't really do in public. So, like, if you find little Billy in the kitchen touching his penis, you can give him some really positive and directive messages like, hey, Billy, I know it might be nice to touch yourself there, or, or that feels good, doesn't it? But it's not something we do in the kitchen or in front of Artie Dottie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's something you need to do in your own bedroom. So if you want to keep doing that, that's really cool, but let's do that in your bedroom. Yeah, it's something to do yeah. separate. Yeah. But if you say you're a bad boy for doing that, you're actually shaming the whole human being and True. not the public behaviour. And then they learn that touching themselves is not a good thing to do and it makes them bad. It's very easy to create shame and make the person wrong rather than that behaviour is not cool or that's not the way we do it here, we do it this way, which can be done very lovingly without making any bad feeling or negative connotation about touching any part of your body. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, say I want want to own my nudity, um, how do I not feel completely naked when I'm naked? Or for a listener who might be wondering that. That's, um, yeah, it's an interesting question because uh, I think you're going to have to expect some vulnerability when feeling naked. We're we're all so used to being clothed. Mm. Um, It projects a part of who we are. It protects us. So you're quite vulnerable when you take all your clothes off. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Practice is the key for this one. The more you do it, the more used to it you get. You know, maybe you walk around the house. If you're brave, go to a nudist beach or go to some clothing optional workshops, right? This is how I taught myself because I was like, you know, I want to feel better about my body and my size and shape because I've never been a normative size. And um, so I'm like, oh, okay. And I went to some training where there was going to be lots of naked stuff because it was body work. And I just went, by the end of this training, I want to be comfortable Mm -hmm. Um, being in my own skin. So it started off with 
um, swimming in a bikini and then swimming topless and then swimming naked in the pool that was at the event and again various stages of disrobing so it was practicing it was like exposure therapy yeah and also right. that decision making that you had of like I want this is something I want to work on yeah I was very yeah interested in that and I was very nervous and also because aware that my size and shape was quite different to most people in the room but at the end of a week-long training, lots of people came up to me and were like, wow, we're so impressed with how you're holding yourself naked. And I was like, what, what? Are you talking to me? Like it was, they weren't inside my head where I was a little bit nervous about it all. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. And now, in fact, I'm going to try and choose to swim naked as often as I can. Yeah, and doesn't it feel nice? <laughs> yeah, that was a really big change in, yeah. in my outlook. And I think the more you do stuff like that, the more comfortable you get with your body. Yeah, I think that's something that I've had to work on myself as well. There was was definitely like as a child I felt very free and then there was probably a period of 10 years probably when yeah. my body started changing yeah until like my early 20s where I felt a lot of shame or like uncomfortability or the pressure to feel like I needed to look a certain way to, yeah so much confirmation yeah. stuff in the media totally. and, and around puberty as well because your body's changing so it's a bit scary what's happening yeah am I going to look like everybody else you know what's happening to my body parts that are changing mm. lots of stuff mm. but I think um you can also do things like look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, write a positive affirmation about yourself and then while you're looking at yourself in the mirror naked, speak it aloud. That's a very good way of grinding in self-confidence and yeah. positivity and accepting who you are. And while you're doing it, because when you see yourself and you're talking, you're actually changing your neural pathways in the brain. Ooh. Yeah, there's science around that one. It okay. actually It's very daggy homework that I give people to do, but oh. it actually works. Cool. And when people say something nice to you and give you a compliment, say thank you and don't knock it back. Yeah. It's like, thank you. Full stop. <laughs> right? Most of us are like, oh, this old thing, I got it at Target. Yeah. But... Oh, what do you mean? Oh, no, I'm just work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even try taking some naked selfies of yourself just to get familiar with what your body looks like. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of people don't explore their genitals or parts of their body. They're not, they're really not used to seeing themselves naked. And then mm. they can be repulsed by their own bodies, which is not going to help them in intimate relationships or their self confidence. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's yeah. play another song. We'll come back. We'll keep um, on this chat. I am loving it. We've got a song <laughs> here called Learner. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two by listening to Let's Talk About Sex here on FBI Radio. Um, this is by HXXX. Learner there by HXXS. My name's Courtney Ammenhauser. You're tuned into Mornings here on FBI Radio 94.5. And right now we are talking about nudity as part of Let's Talk About Sex today. And I have our host, Tanya Coons, with me. Tanya, I wanted to have a little chat about breasts. Is ah. being Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is being topless as a female identifying person more acceptable if you have... Um, in inverted commas, the right kind of breasts. Wow. Well, my first question for that is, what are the right kind of breasts? I know. Like, what are the right kind? Yeah. I, you know, years ago I saw a sex ed show mm. uh, from UK TV where they pinned up 10 sets of breasts, pictures of breasts on a clothesline, and they got 15-year-olds uh, to come in 
and choose the breasts that they found most appealing, right? Mm. And the, um, there was there's a caveat here that all the students were assumed heterosexual. Um, it's not an assumption I would make, uh, nor one about gender, but it, it was a while ago, this show. Yeah. And all the guys, the young guys, chose the fake breasts because that's what they see in porn. Right. And all the girls chose the fake breasts because that's what they thought the guys would like. And I was like, oh, my God, they're 15. What's What are they going to be like about their bodies when they're just 30? Because bodies change yeah. as you're aging. And, yeah. Wow, that's really so interesting. So that, that that's one consideration. And, like, and here's me aging myself a little. Like when I was growing up, all the beaches in Sydney were topless and there wasn't a fuss made at all. Some mm. beaches had family areas and some had topless areas, but people pretty much got on with it, mm. right? And a few years ago, I read an article in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, saying that folks don't go topless anymore because a number of reasons. So worried about skin cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, the fashion styles for swimwear were more covered up. Uh, I thought that was really interesting that there's that going on. Yeah. Phones and cameras. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that would be a concern of mine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You don't yeah. want to end up on somebody else's website. No, or... not particularly. No. And there's also, I think, a rise in conservatism. Mm. You know, things that, <laughs> things that people fought hard for in the 60s and 70s are now kind of going down again and being reverted, which I find that a shame because I can't see anything wrong with family friendly parts of the beach and um, topless parts if that's what people want. Yeah. And it seems a little unfair. Like if guys can go topless, then why can't girls? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in our part two of nudity uh, at the end of the month. Time. Yeah. 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 Um, so in terms of is uh, size discrimination, do you think that's a factor when it comes to nudity? Um, well, we were saying before, I think at a nudist pitch, there are all shapes and sizes. So mm. I think in, in communities where people are used to nakedness, um, it's okay. The The only problems about size and nudity are where we get fat phobia involved, you know, where people are saying, well, you can't look like that because you don't look like people in magazines and catalogues and other things that we're seeing. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we have a right to tell anybody that because of their size, nudity is not welcome, right? That's, mm. that's bullshit. Yeah. Really. <laughs> bodies are bodies and they come in all shapes and sizes. And we don't, we don't have a right to shame people who may be different uh, to ourselves. Yeah. You know, I think there's so much of that. And it, it, what that body shaming does is result in people who are disconnected from their own bodies and they don't know themselves very well. Whenever they think about their body, they're getting all these negative ideas uh, and negative thoughts. I saw a TED Talk by Carol Vorderman, uh, not Vorderman, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, she was saying that in the Western world, uh, women and now uh, young men as well, uh, every 20 seconds scanning their body and finding something wrong. That 20 is, seconds. Yeah, that's really... <laughs> That's real. No, not 20 seconds, 20 minutes. But even so, 20 minutes still, is still a lot. that's frequent. How many times in a day then are you sort of having negative thoughts about your body? Yeah. Whereas I think our bodies are amazing. Uh, they're the things that cart us around mm. and get us to places and give us pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and all of our emotions reside in the body. So this mm. is what people don't think. We're living in a in a world where we value everything from the neck up, you know, logic and reason and the very sort of masculine traits, but the feminine traits of being in touch with feelings and being in touch with the earth, not so valued at the moment. And we need both. It's not one or the other. We yeah. need we both. So our emotions, they're like a GPS system for our body, right? They bounce us around mm-hmm. and they've been instrumental for our survival as a species, right? So if you get angry... Um, 
that's a really good sign that something's not okay, right? And if yeah. we pay attention to it, we can address it. And we'll often get some adrenaline involved to help us deal with the not okay thing, like a saber-toothed tiger or the incoming <laughs> tribe coming to steal our fires and our campfire, our, our caves, you know, there's, there's, or there's a hurricane coming. We've got to run the hell away, yeah. right? So that, that when, when we're sad, we need to be still. So could be a member of the tribe has died. You need to be sad to sort of grieve that person, but also you've got a body to bury and you need to work out who's going to do their jobs now that that person's gone. So that requires quietness, right? Yeah. So each of our emotions will guide us and teach us things and bounce us in the direction we need to. But we're living in a world where we try and push them all away, right? You can't feel sad. You can't feel angry. You can't feel upset. You're supposed to really try and feel happy all the time. But you know, our emotions are like the weather. They come and they go and they're informing us. Yeah. So if we're not in touch with our body, we certainly can't be in touch with this amazing sense, sensory system that we have to help keep us safe and keep us functioning well. Yeah. And I think too, um, we were talking a little earlier about our bodies kind of you know, it's holding our memories and things like that. Yeah. And it, it, it's also representing a, a part of our story. So like yeah. maybe you've got scars on your knees from when yeah. you had a surgery or maybe yeah. you've got, you know, stretch marks on your bum or whatever. Yeah. And like, it's like, yeah, that was the time when I did this. I did yeah, XYZ. I fell off my bike when I was 12 or, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah, or like that represents a period of my time where I was going hard at another thing. And like, yeah. I personally love that. And I, yeah. But um, it does, I think it definitely took a lot of time to come around to that and accept that. I saw a great yeah. um, comedy show at Melbourne Comedy Festival earlier yeah. in the year. It was Nikki Britton. And she was talking about her, her body and um, the power that it has and, like, the story that it can tell. And it was yeah. really powerful stuff. And, yeah, yeah. It, it just makes me think of that. I think all of our bodies hold stories. you know, And we, we do different things to our bodies. Some people pierce them. Some people put art on them, yep. all sorts of things. And we have cellular memories as well. So the scars are a part, a visible part yep. for people to see. But our bodies remember things like trauma gets held in the body, for example. Have uh, you read The Body Keeps the Score? Yeah, Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah, totally good book. And he sort of changed things around from mm. a head-focused approach to trauma to a body-focused approach. And I think um, I've seen some fantastic performances like storytelling and getting people involved uh, and movement to to um, try and heal things like racism and oppression. Yeah, I saw a beautiful performance at the Opera House earlier this year by I can't remember her name. Ganoa was her first name. Uh, a young Indigenous woman who told stories via dance and comedy, and she got white people out of the audience and made them play her in stories. So they were moving and having experiences like being moved on at Redfern Station. Wow, which was really scary. She told this story that she got a really tall white guy out of the, the audience and said, right, so um, uh, the police are coming up and asking you to move along. I want you to just say why, right? And yeah. he goes, why? And she goes, oh, look, now there's a couple more policemen coming up to assist moving you on. Right? And she's coaching the audience, what have we learned here? Don't say anything. What else do we know? Not to run because blah, 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 got shot. So now because you're me, as you're being escorted off the station, I want you to wave at the commuters that are all staring. So he waves and she's like, oh, look, now one of the police is drawing their gun and <gasps> taking it off safety. And the whole audience was like, <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. And she's like, now we don't even know if you're going to make it off the stations. What are we learning here? No sudden movements. 
What a powerful piece of So powerful. And she asked him what it was like and he said, I've never felt like that in my entire life. And she went, right, I feel like that all the time and you'll probably never feel like that again. Mm. So powerful a way to teach and also healing for Mm. her by performing and using her body to heal from these wounds of oppression. So I think that our bodies are so amazing. We need to learn to trust our gut because our gut is right 99.97% of the time and our head not so much it's filled with ideas about other people's power dynamics what culturally we're being told is right and wrong so Mm. our head can often get things wrong but our gut generally it's got a pretty good idea of what's going to be okay for us and what not to be okay yeah I love that finishing off with trusting your gut I think that's a really (laughs) good spot to end our chat on nudity here on let's talk about sex on mornings on FBI radio thank you so much for coming in Tanya Coons always a pleasure thanks for being here